When running a business, your employees can create all kinds of interesting situations, like getting complaints because someone on the team always smells horrible. You better talk to Bambi. With Bambi, get access to your own dedicated HR manager starting at just $99 per month. They're available by phone, email, and real-time chat, so onboarding and terminations run smoothly. Team members reach peak performance, and your business stays compliant with changing HR regulations. And with Bambi's HR Autopilot, you'll automate important HR practices like setting policies, training, and feedback. Bambi's U.S.-based personnel are dedicated to your business, giving you access to the HR expertise and personal touch you need. HR managers can easily cost $80,000 per year, but Bambi starts at $99 per month. Schedule your free conversation today to see how much Bambi can take off your plate. Visit Bambi.com slash C-Suite right now. Spelled B-A-M-B-E-E dot com slash C-Suite. Bambi.com slash C-Suite. Megan Gibson. The well-being of one person in a family affects the whole family system. This is a supportive community to share research, resources, stories, tips, and life hacks to keep the family brain healthy. Thanks for listening to The Family Brain. I'm Megan Gibson, and today I'll be talking with Kelly Adkins. I got to know Kelly through a Facebook group, and she was talking about her experiences in raising a blended family. She has um, children through adoption, through remarriage, and through birth. And it was fun for me to talk to her about her experiences in raising this family and how she takes care of herself and, and sort of continually reprioritizes herself in taking care of everyone. Um, and you know, what was neat for me is one of the realizations I had while I was talking with her is that I love that we can talk about different points of view on this podcast and that, that her experiences are her experiences and she is sharing them. And I have had other people on the show who've shared their experiences in raising teenagers. There's not one right way to do it. And that's why I love having different voices on who can talk to you about how they're figuring it out for themselves and what's working, what's not working. And I just am thankful that I have this opportunity to share these voices with you. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Thanks so much for joining me on The Family Brain today, Kelly. It's such a pleasure to get a chance to talk to you. Thank you. So I, one of the things that was so intriguing to me when we sort of connected online was just the background in how you came to be this parent of teenagers and how you're sharing some of your, your experiences with other people. Can you sort of give us a little background on, on what, what brought you to this teenage parenting role? Sure. Uh, I started to tell you a little bit before we, we have nine children. We're a blended family. There's so many blended families these days. So they should, this should kind of feel at home to some people, but my husband has five children. I had two. Um, so we got married and then we were thrown into the kinship foster world where we adopted two more. So we have nine kids total, three are grown, six at home. Four of them are teenagers. That's why um, I answered your call for this. I have a 14-year-old boy, a 15-year-old boy, a 16-year-old boy, 
and a 17 year old boy. Oh my goodness. Yes. That's intense. Yes. And then we have two little ones that are pretty hard because they've come from a hard world. But when it comes to the teenage world, um, I was kind of just thrown into it. So I had one child at home when I married my husband. He had three boys at home. And then we got the two little ones almost immediately when we got married. So I went from one kid to six in a very short period of time. (laughs) Wow. Well, you know what? This makes me happy because I hadn't really thought about this until you were just talking, but I just did a podcast recently about um, divorce and blended families. And the person I spoke with was really kind of... um, warning against blended families that it's very difficult to do. But I think sometimes, I guess I'm just, I'm happy to have this as a counterpoint to that because I think a lot of people are in blended families. That's just what it is. And so we can do hard things. We I mean, can we do hard have, things. Yeah. Um, we, ha- we have to face them and teaching our kids to face them is going to teach them to overcome hard things, you know? Right. Right. No. So it makes me happy that I'm, I have this sort of counterpoint to her point of, you know, cause a lot of times I I have on here people who are talking about their own experiences and, you know, it's not one is right and one is wrong, but just it, it helps all of us when we can hear from different voices of different experiences. So I appreciate saying it's not easy, but the other side of it is that you can have a beautiful family, right? You know? Yes. One of the things that we sort of were talking about is just how, how, how do you bring all of these different people together and sort of keep your own brain running properly or as properly as we, we can on any given day? What, what, what sort of things do you do to sort of help pull back from some of the chaos and sort of tune into what you need to be able to run the ship? Yep. So first off, again, I told you this, but I don't want to come in here thinking that I am the expert. I'm not. However, I have found some ways to intentionally schedule my day and intentionally do certain things so that I can be a better parent. So I can be available. Not, I also come into this with chronic illness and some chronic fatigue and stuff like that. So I have to really be intentional Mm. with my time and energy. So in the morning, this is the thing that I found that, um, sets me up best for my day. I wake up at 5.30 and I intentionally do that. That's an hour before my little ones get up and 30 minutes before my big ones get up. And I do, I go, right now I can still go outside, um, but I journal, I get quiet. I do a little bit of prayer. I mean, it's just whatever your belief is. But when I get right in my own head, before they even wake up, and, you know, do gratitude journaling. And when I get in that right state of mind, it starts my day so much better. Mm -hmm. And one thing that we hear, like if you do, if you're one that goes to church or something, we hear a lot of pray, 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 ponder, and then ponder or whatever. Well, I believe that even if you're, I'm sorry, this is a little bit off topic, but if we we need to get quiet because Mm -hmm. you can pray all day or you can talk all day, but Mm -hmm. if you don't actually listen to yourself or listen to spirit or get quiet, then you will not be clear. And I think that our world is just so chaotic and everything's bombarding us. And if you don't get quiet and learn what's most important to you, your day's just going to start off bad. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not going to be on the off, you're going to be on the offense or I'm sorry, defense instead of offense. Right. And so getting up early for me is like the number one thing that I think gets me ready for my day so that I can kind of unpack right. and think 
without someone coming at me with all their issues. Yes. Well, so here's my question for you, because I really wanted to do something like this at the beginning of the school year, because I always think of the beginning of the school year as almost like my new year. You know, I said something to my husband about like, oh, do you have any goals for the new year? And he's like, it's September. And I realized he does not have that same thought process of where the year begins. But um, so I wanted to do that waking up early and I just kept hitting the snooze button. And I, then I just felt like defeated. Do you have any tricks for just so, not doing that? Yes. So <laughs> going to bed a little bit earlier. First okay. Off. Um, also, there's this thing, uh, Mel Robbins, she, it's called the yes. five second rule. Mm-hmm. And when we already know what we want to do, it's just kind of the motivation or our mind gets out of control or whatever. I use this a lot with my children too. When you're ready to make a move or get out of bed or make a decision, uh, a lot of times we'll do something like that. But when you count backwards, five, four, three, two, one, it's like a takeoff. It's like a rocket ship. You know, you just go five, four, three, two, one, make the decision to get out of bed. Mm-hmm. Same thing with like my kids that they can't decide what they want for breakfast. I say, you already know what you want. I'm going to give you five seconds. You choose which one you want, five, four, three, two, one. And they choose the cereal or the bagel. And it's not stressful. They just, choose it and we move on. Otherwise you're going to be there all day. So that's a little bit of a trick that I use. I like that. My body to get out of bed. I'm not saying once in a while, I don't do that. It also becomes a habit if you start doing it. See, And I think that's what I never got it to the habit point. Um, and it does, it feels so much better. I just feel like I have so much more patience when I have that little chunk of time just to get my own head right. Yes. And they're, not, you're, they're not like, help me put my shirt on or mom, I need money. Mom, you know, right. and you have that, that you're in the right mindset. I call it getting right with God, but, or getting right with yourself before moving forward. Yes. Let me tell you, kids have a way, stepkids, adopted kids, they have a way of shining a mirror on anything that's a mess in your own life and just triggering your hot buttons like that. So if yes. you're not settled and grounded and ready, then you're going to be set off for the day. You know, we're like, we are the captains of the ship. So if we're a mess, the whole family is going to be a mess. Mm -hmm. No, that's so true. I love that. Okay. So you wake up early, you get the people off. What's the next thing? Also, I really am intentional with my schedule. Mm -hmm. I would say um, things that are, we've all probably heard the story about like the rocks, the sand, the pebbles, like Um, And what's most important in your life. So if you look at my calendar, you're going to see that um, I, I get up early. Um, I also um, schedule time uh, to rest before my kids get home. These are things that are most important to me. So I'm not saying it's, they need to look at, people need to look at what's most important to them and put it directly in their calendar Mm -hmm. because then, then everything else will fill up around it. But like, so if there's certain things like activities or your kids games. And, um, like I, I specifically do something with my church every Wednesday morning. So I have that blocked out. Um, and that way everything else that comes in, like doctor's appointments and stuff will get scheduled around that, but that will always be there. And I think a lot of times with moms, we schedule everybody else's stuff Mm -hmm. and then try to fill in our other stuff. So, um, I go to the gym at least two to four times a week. That's on my, I look and see what classes I want to go to at the beginning of the week. That's on, that's very important to me because I feel like my body needs to be healthy. And I think uh, moms, we're always giving up more than we have sometimes and we're exhausted. And for my body, I have to schedule going to the gym for mental, physical, and just holding myself together. 
And if I don't have energy, then I can't put the energy into my family. So if you look at my calendar, so there's a few things that are important to me for church. I rest every afternoon before my children come in. That's on there. That's just a firm, no, not, it will not change mm-hmm. unless, I mean, sometimes there, you have to be uh, flexible, but things that are most important to me are on my calendar because then you can schedule dentist appointments or optometrist, you know, all that stuff around what is most important to you. Um, I also like to put on there. Um, I go on a lunch date with my husband every Friday. Oh, I also, yeah. I also go to therapy because I think when you're in a blended family like this, I, I think it, we need to share that because it's such a shameful, quiet thing that people don't talk about. So I go yeah. every Thursday or every Friday at 10 o'clock. That's, that's, awesome. that's just not going to change. So that's a big deal. Getting up right. early and then scheduling um, things in what's most important to me. And then everything else will fill in the gaps. Right. Well, and I love that you are sharing that you see a therapist because I think so often we're always, as the parent, we're trying to figure out what everybody else's emotional ticks are, you know, like, well, how is this going to affect them? And I know this person's struggling with that. And, and I think it's really important to take that time to, to, make sure we're checking in with ourselves and how are we dealing with that? Because, you know, we, we often don't have that for ourselves, a place to just kind of process. This is something with blended families, ex-wives, kids that are coming from trauma and foster care. Mm -hmm. If you're triggered by them, it's something you've unhealed in your own life. And so Mm -hmm. I've been very triggered, you know, ex-wives and ex-husbands. And, um, I, I think it's important to figure out why is that triggering me? Oh, yeah. okay. There's something I still need to work on. And I've been doing this thing called EMDR. I don't know if you know anything about it, but it's eye movement desensitization. I don't know exactly what it is, but it has, I have had trauma in my life. My kids have trauma and it is, has been amazing. And I think talk therapy, I mean, we shouldn't. Okay. So third, ask for help, get help. Yes, for sure. <laughs> therapy, for sure. Whether well, it's and- your church group or friends, I think we're just so shamed into feeling like we need to do everything. No, we need to ask for help and get help however we need it. Yeah. And what's so interesting, I was, I heard something recently or saw something recently online about when you are your most authentic self, it gives permission for other people to be their most authentic self. And I love that idea that sometimes I think people don't want to be burdening someone else or, Oh, look at me. I'm just such a mess. But really, if you can kind of shift your mindset to what a gift for someone else, because when they're struggling, they're going to know you're a safe person to come to that. You are are ready. You're open, you're willing, you're honest. And, um, I don't know. I just like that concept of just, it's not a burden. It's a gift that we can connect with other people. And it's not that we're unloading this on someone. It's just knowing that we're all a mess. So my daughter's eight years old and she came to us through foster care. And, and then we have the, the, but, but it's good for her to see my vulnerabilities and that I'm willing to work on them and that I'm worthy enough to work on them Mm -hmm. because that's going to set the example for her to know she's worthy enough to work on herself when she has family. She's not last. Right. And she's not broken because she came from a hard place. We all have broken, all broken. parts. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh my no, goodness. I, love I have a great, great saying. I think it's Rumi um, that says uh, it's okay to be broken because that's where the light enters. Oh, I love that. So pretty. That's great. Yeah, I love it's that. Because okay that's where the light enters and mm-hmm. that's where we're able to help others. Mm-hmm. And I think 
this is something that has come to me over and over again. Sometimes I hear, you know, or I heard this as a child, you're too much. You're so like in your fate, you know, like I am a lot, Uh but guess what? People need that. That's what I am. You know, Uh some people can't handle it, but why should I dim my light? Because they have issues, you know, so we need to shine where we can shine best because people need it. People need to hear what we have to say. Right. You know, and look, your, your quote unquote too much is allowing you to be able to be the person who does share and then give other people the permission to do the same. So I think it's, it's interesting how I feel like God does use our, our qualities to help connect people. Yes. So Uh, I kind of wrote a list of things. I don't know if you want me to just share a few more, like, sure. I love this. I love hearing like people's kind of life hacks, you know, cause I think we all are in our own little bubbles of like how we do things. And Mm -hmm. so I, I, this is great to me. I think it's very important uh, for us moms to take care of our health. So I already mentioned that I go to the gym. I think that's very important, whether you do it at home, whether you're walking, we have to keep our bodies healthy. I think also everything you put in your mouth, we need to think of as food or disease, you know? And so we have to consider what we're eating. I mean, if we're eating crap, our health is going to be crap. Mm -hmm. I really think it's important to take good whole food vitamins um, what you're eating. Um, I, I love the Instapot. I don't know about you, but for dinners with everybody on Tuesdays and Thursdays, we have five different kids at five different practices. Oh my gosh. So I'm able to use the Instapot um, to do easy meals. I don't know, or anything like that. It's a, it's a pressure cooker. Do you use one? I have one <laughs> and I've used it a couple of times. I am more of a slow cooker type person. Which you can use it for that too. Yeah. Yes. yes. I, I would like to use it more. It's in, it's in my pantry. <laughs> I love it. I have I high mean, hopes for it. Maybe this will be a good inspiration. Yeah. I make, you, know, you can make shredded chicken and that's frozen in less than 30 minutes. You know, you just throw some enchilada sauce in there and freeze it, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, you cook it. but you can do the slow cooker too. I love that. I love putting stuff in, in the morning after my kids leave for school, because then I feel like that's just something that's done, right? you know, and then we're ready getting help doing things like whatever you believe in, whether it's uh, energy work or massage. And I know that's sometimes hard, but we have to schedule it in and put ourselves first. Um, let's see. I, uh, I think that a lot of parents, and I've had to work very hard on this, hence the therapy is being kind to ourselves, being forgiving to ourselves, mm-hmm. um, that we're not messing up our kids. Um, we're actually teaching them to be kind to themselves and teaching them to speak kind to themselves and be forgiving of themselves that it's not all or nothing. I mean, we're all a work in progress. Um, Let's see. Oh, back to the scheduling. You also, we also need to schedule in a family time. So whether it's one night a week, or even if it's having dinner, we try to have dinner together almost every night of the week that, that is not the Tuesday or Thursday. Mm-hmm. I think it's very important because otherwise everybody's off in their own corners on technology. And um, one story that I like to share and is this visualization, speaking of technology, that have you heard the story about frogs? And if you put them in a hot boiling water, they'll hop out. However, if you put them in a pot and it slowly comes up to a boil, they'll actually die. Mm. because they don't realize what's going on around them. Okay. I think technology is doing this to our families. 
Um, it's slowly taking, it's a backdoor to our kids. It's slowly taking over. It's causing major depression in teens. It's causing them to not get any sleep. It's making them feel like they're not worthy or measuring up because they're seeing someone's best yeah. and not their worst. And so we've done a few things in our family that have kind of shaken things up or made us realize how hot that water was. One weekend we took, we took our phones, mine included, mm-hmm. put it I left my my husband's out because then everybody could use it. But we took all of our phones, and every kid that hears this is probably going to hate me. But let me tell you, my husband wasn't. <laughs> I don't on think board many first. kids listen to this podcast, fortunately. Okay. So feel free. But <laughs> we took all of our technology. We put it in a locked box for two days, and let me tell you what I found out during that two days. Hmm. Two of my boys were addicted to their phone. We're talking curled up in the fetal position addicted. Hmm. Um, and what I, I started researching and showing videos to my husband over the weekend. And within 10 minutes of our phones being put away, my boys, my teenage boys were outside skateboarding together. Hmm. They went bowling together. Um, they had conversations. And I think that technology is taking over our lives where we have depressed, like I said, depressed teens. And so this also was a wake up call for me. I did a week where my phone was down every time anyone else was around. This was a challenge I did. And that was eye opening how much I was on my phone when my kids were there or I was using it as like a numbing mechanism. Yeah. Then I did a 10 day social media fast, which was crazy. I didn't, I went back on and I went, wow, I didn't really miss anything. So there's a few things that we've done with technology to kind of wake us up as right. to what's going on. When I love that you're calling yourself out also, because I think so often as parents, you know, we have the power as the grownups and it's easy to point fingers at the kids of what they're doing, you know? And then I'm like, well, what am I doing? What, yeah. And what kind of example am I setting? And if I'm going to, if I'm going to implement some of these things, maybe it needs to be for all of us, you know? And I don't know if you know this, I'm a nurse too. I don't work as a nurse right now, but I'm very interested in the brain and and how technology is affecting our teens' brains. Mm -hmm. Well, all ages, but since we're talking about teens, it is as addictive as cocaine. It's the same exact neurochemical being released when they play games or get on their phone or hear that ding Mm -hmm. as giving our child cocaine. We need to be aware of this. I'm not saying it's bad. It's not 100% bad. But I'm saying we need to be aware. We need to be aware that we're in this boiling pot and it's killing families, you know? And so um, what we did is this really woke us up. Um, This really woke us up and we started putting phones. We hadn't done this before. We started putting their phones away at nine o'clock at night Mm -hmm. and then they can get it in the morning. We kind of made some adjustments since then, but I I feel like kids are not getting any sleep. They're hearing that dinging and buzzing and all night. So on or even phones. they can wake up in the middle of the night instead of like, oh gosh, you know, we all kind of once in a while you wake up mm-hmm. at an odd time. And instead of just going back to bed, if it's in their rooms or if it's accessible, it's easy to use that. And then you're not falling back asleep. So we have a few issues around technology because we have other parents involved, right? With mm. our teens. So if it was up to me and how it's going to be with our little ones, because our little ones come from an addiction anyways. I do not even let them have technology, honestly, Uh because I feel like they need to learn socialization. They need to learn to entertain themselves by coloring and uh, playing and doing real things versus just, 
it would be so easy for me to put a tablet in front of their face and have a babysitter, but Mm -hmm. it's harder to do the right thing in the beginning, but in the end, they know how to entertain themselves. So with the teens, it's a little bit different. Starting with my little ones, they will not have smartphones. They will not have tablets. We do have some tablets that they use on trips and stuff when we go on long car trips, but otherwise I found it was affecting their mood. Mm -hmm. They were very grumpy. They were irritated with each other. And I feel like technology is changing our brains and there's so much science coming behind it, but we could get ahead of it by, you know, limiting it. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of parents think they can't do that, but guess what? We are the bosses. Mm -hmm. We set the healthy boundaries. We hold the healthy boundaries. I'm not saying I'm a helicopter parent either. My husband and I are pretty much, we call it free range parents. Mm -hmm. Like we let them be free range until we need to rein them in a little bit. And I think that's very healthy in my opinion, because they need to learn how to get along with other people. So like when they come to us and they have problems at the playground, we kind of just send them back and say, okay, how can we work it out? Or how can you, I think that we're losing a lot of that or they just the kids just expect their parents to fix things and then they're getting out in the world and they don't know how to do it. And our teens need to know how to do things. So one example was um, like my son had to call someone uh, because someone wanted to hire him to help him coach. He's 15 years old. He didn't even know what to say. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they're always talking, you know, they're talking via text and Snapchat. It's like, okay, so we need to really realize we're we're handicapping our kids with all this technology because they need to know how to have a interview for a job. They need to know how to interact face-to-face with people. Um, so I think it's important to just become aware of that. Yeah. And just be that more was a long way saying that. mindful. No, I, I agree though. And it's, I mean, this, this podcast and talking to people who are mindful and is always a good reminder to me to think about the ways that I can do better. You know, it doesn't have to be a major overhaul. It can Mm -hmm. be small changes over time. It can be even just being more aware of the choices I'm already making and and questioning, is that how I want to be doing it? You know, because sometimes it's just easy to fall into patterns and then you don't even realize the choice you've made. Um, I believe shaking up the patterns or shaking up what's just the way something's always been done or, you know, this, this technology parenting has not been around before. This is a whole new thing. This is a whole new thing that we need to be aware of because it's a whole back door of bad things. Like there's pornography on there. There's a, you know, they, they can get drugs, you know, and also another thing I really want to point this out again is yeah, it's not all or nothing. That's something our society is like all or nothing. No, you can make little tweaks over time to improve things because you're not a bad parent because you don't do one thing or the other. That's another thing is we're so all or nothing. Like, oh, you don't believe in breastfeeding. You're a horrible parent. You know, no, we all parent different, but listening to things like this or listening to other people being open-minded, you can go, okay, is this working for me? Is this not working? What can I start doing? What can I stop doing that would help me be a better parent? And I think number one is taking care of yourself, getting your mind right, mm-hmm. fixing your, instead of pointing the finger at your teenagers, maybe we need to figure out what we're doing to model to them too. I think we need to turn those fingers around a lot of times because it's like you said, easy to point the finger at someone else. Mm-hmm. You know, it's easy to find fault. But when one way to change that is like a gratitude journal. One time I did 30 days of writing because I was very frustrated with my teens. Don't let me 
fool you. I, I have the step boys. I have my own boys, you yeah. know, and I was very frustrated with that. It's a lot. Yeah. So and I, I think that. one of the interesting, oh, sorry. sorry, just to interject is that, that one of the interesting things about teenagers is I think my understanding is it's just intentionally a very selfish time of life. They're figuring out who they are and to do that work, they kind of have to be focused on themselves in a lot of ways. And I could see how that would be very triggering. It's like you're working your tail off to help people. And then you have a bunch of people who are only thinking about themselves. Does that sound bad? No, when you reset your mindset to go, they're inherently selfish. This is something I learned in therapy. Yeah. Kids in general and teens are inherently selfish. Mm -hmm. That is their job. If you reframe it, like that's their job. That's what they do. They're selfish. Um, because I have an issue and this is something I talked about. I'm going to be vulnerable here saying, feeling unappreciated, right? I'm sure parenting full time, my husband's three boys, my boy, and then two kids. And so I know their parents cause it's kinship foster. And then also, um, my husband's ex-wife, right. But they don't live here. They're not as involved. They're, we have them full time. Okay. So I parent these kids at home, six kids full-time, and only one of them calls me mom. And you know what? You don't realize how much that is um, endearing or loving Mm. to be called mom, right? So my therapist just says, no, they're selfish. When you reframe it like that, um, then I realize, okay, they are inherently, you know, and I'm doing my job and Mm -hmm. they will someday appreciate it. They will remember you're the one at their games. You're the one uh, making sure they have their uniform. You're the one that's taking them to the doctor. Someday they will. Right now, they're not going to. Even my little ones that we adopted don't call me mom. And that's very hurtful. But when I asked on like a support group, they said, well, sometimes calling you mom might be a negative connotation. So this is good for step parents to know too. Mm. It may being called mom or dad may be negative to them because of their life experience. When they're ready, they will call you mama or or maybe your name or Aunt Kelly, because we are aunt and uncle. Um is more endearing to them. And that was, I think we just have to be open to reframing our thinking Uh so that we're not always frustrated, right? you know, always mad. Right. And I think when you think about that, that's their work, their work is to, to find out who they are. Yeah. Figure out who they are. And our work is then to figure out how we manage. We have more of those pieces of the building blocks. So our job is to figure out, okay, well, this is, setting me off. Let me figure out why, you know, am I not sending a clear enough boundary? Am I expecting something that I've been disappointed by? And then how do I take care of myself as a result of that? You know, um, you hit something boundaries, boundaries, mm-hmm. boundaries. Okay. And I had to learn these when I was older because I've been in uh, codependent relationships and didn't realize I was a people pleaser trying to always please everybody and make everybody happy. Well, that's impossible because that will never happen. So learning what is my job? What is not my job? Uh, Their job right now, like you said, is being selfish, learning who they are. My job is to make sure they're safe, that they're, you know, so I set boundaries. My husband and I set very, we do very loose boundaries unless we need to tighten them up. Um, But then they know what they can bump up bump up against, right. you know, because they're going to bump up against it. Right. If you set them too low, then they're just like, excuse my language, screw it. Like mm-hmm. who cares? I'm already breaking the rules or they're already mad at me. No, set them a little bit looser for us at least. And then, um, if you need to, you, you squeeze them in, but, um, we don't, that way you don't have to be on them all the time. I also, right. I don't know if you've ever heard of Glennon Doyle. She's, a. uh, Oh yes, I know all about her. Yeah, what? <laughs> I, I follow her on social social media, so I know yes. 
all I her- just read that one of her posts was about being a teenage parent. You've oh, okay. kind of already done the job. Okay. So we've mm-hmm. done the major groundwork of what to do, what not to do. Right. But as a parent, she said, she read somewhere that, um, we need to be houseplant parents. Yes. I saw that. Yes. And what, what that means and what she means by that is we need to be there. So mm-hmm. even though they're not calling me mom, even that I'm here, my mm-hmm. husband travels, he's here too, but, um, I'm here. I'm on the couch. I'm in my room. If they need something, I'm the one they can mm-hmm. call to go somewhere or if they're hurt. We're going to, but, but really we need to sit back and let them learn who they are. Mm-hmm. And it's such a vital thing. role. And that's why I think as parents and as people, we need to support each other in this important work that you're doing, because it's just, it's not something that's super celebrated in our culture. You know, it's celebrated when you get a promotion or a raise or, you know, a bonus or whatever it is. But this work that we're doing that is creating people is not always noticed or celebrated. So let me tell you, I've always worked until I don't know, 10 years ago or something, but I always worked and I always got my self-worth from the next thing, the ladder, Mm -hmm. you know, or the job or the promotion, the paycheck, but I had more to learn apparently. And so this life lesson is that we need to be humble and realize this is the most important work. We may not be getting the moms or the accolades or the mother of the year trophies, you know, but, but we will be rewarded in kind a million times over when we see that we're, we're, our job is to raise healthy adults. Mm -hmm. Our job is not to raise kids that are dependent on us for the rest of their lives. So teaching them how to do yard work, teaching them to do housework, that is our job to make healthy adults. Mm -hmm. Because that's somebody in their twenties going, I don't know who I am and live in the parents' basement until they're 40. Yeah. It's funny. I woke up thinking about this this morning, how I've never really loved the the terminology stay at home mom, because most moms are not staying at home. They're running all over the place with their children. And it just kind of creates this, like I'm at home, just do it. You know, I don't know. I just don't, I wish there was a new language for it. And I found myself saying something like that to a woman last night, like, Oh, are you a stay at home mom? And I hate when people say that to me, but I, I want, I don't know. I just feel like there needs to be better language around how we describe this work. Domestic engineer, domestic goddess. Yeah. Uh, these are some <laughs> better terms. When I, I feel like that's tongue in cheek though. Like I almost want something that's like serious. Like, like, um, I don't know. Like, I don't know. It, 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 I just say I, I'm the chaos coordinator. Chaos or, coordinator. You know, the, ring, the ringmaster of the shit show. <laughs> I'm growing, I'm growing humans. I don't yes. know, but that sounds like you're pregnant and I don't, I'm definitely not pregnant. So yeah. anyway, okay. that was my, my little sideshow there. But no, I love all that you're saying. And I think it's just, it reminds other people who are also in the trenches how important and how valuable the work is and that it's not always easy and that, that you come up against your own your demons. Own demons. Yeah. And I have never learned as much as I have about myself as I have from my children. You know, I mean, they're the like stuff- little mirrors. Yeah. And I don't, I don't learn it from my husband, even if he wants to tell me, oh yeah, that's how you are. I I wouldn't listen to that, but I'm listening more to my kids doing it. Um, or not even saying, but just what, what triggers me. Um, and I think we all, it's funny because we all have different ones, you know, different triggers and our kids know them all too well. What about in terms of your specific relationships with your teenagers? Have you found any 
like I once heard about, um, if you have to have a difficult conversation, have it in the car because they can't go anywhere. They can't go anywhere. And, and the eye contact can be intimidating. Have you found any tricks for, for engaging with your teenagers or is each situation just kind of different? That's kind of a tough one. I, I think that the car probably is right. I, I do. I'm not, this is an area that's very hard for me. I, I don't, um, I would say, yeah, getting quiet, you have to get to a quiet place where there's no distraction. So a car's great. Um, but I think it's also important instead of just having those specific conversations to have normal conversations at the dinner table, mm -hmm. you know, or normal. So I had a great, great learning experience. So I don't, I probably am not the best at having alone time with each of my teenagers. I need to make sure I do that more, but I did get to go on a volleyball trip with my son this last weekend. And so this is my birth son, but I mean, I, I would do it with the others too, if they had an event, but we had to divide and conquer this weekend. And we got to meet up with someone. This was such a great learning experience and so awesome. So yes, it was in the car, mm. to that, but, but <laughs> we, so she brought us to a church, right? She brought us into a church and then now she has fell in love with another woman, married her and has left the church. But my, this opened up some big conversations to be kind and loving. And we got to go to have dinner with her and her wife. And my son's like, you know, it's kind of weird. Like that's just, he couldn't come up with a better term, but right. odd that someone mm -hmm. that brought us into church has locked the church. And I go, babe, and this was in the car. Her light came to us. That was spirit. Her light came to us. She lifted us in a very, very dark time. She still has that within her. It doesn't have to be connected to a building or a specific religion. People have kindness and spirit, and we don't need to just say, oh, it's all or nothing again, right? No, her light is in her. She brought it to us in our dark time, and now she's still bringing us light, and now her wife's bringing us light. And I just thought that was an important lesson. We had some big talks about, you know, uh, being gay or lesbian, which is completely fine you know depending on people's religion I'm just saying we had this conversation and it was pretty deep yeah. about like I wonder if her you know all of her views have changed because of this you know and I'm like well babe this you need to call her and ask her or we can talk mm -hmm. to her again. but the biggest thing is that she's a good human being she brought that to us in our dark time and now we need to be good humans and bring light into any kind of dark time she may be having you know no and that's I just wonderful thought, yeah. I just thought it was a great, it was in the car. So I don't yeah. know. I never really thought about that, but yeah. And he had to talk to me and we were alone. Right. And, um, well, and it kind of reminds me of what you were saying about getting quiet. You, I, I think it's hard. I mean, you have many children and I, I mean, I have three kids and I struggle with this and you have more than that. So it's tough to carve out that individual time, but it's interesting to me when you do have it, how you can just have a different kind of conversation because they're not worried about, you know, a sibling being there, like heckling, whatever they say, you know, I think it just feels a little bit safer sometimes when yes. there isn't a big group. So I didn't have a good answer for that, but yes, you have to be that quiet. That was a great answer. No, it, it makes sense. I mean, it's like when you have the time, that's when things happen. Yeah. And technology has to be out of the picture. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Same with dinner time no technology, because I feel like you'd need to really see other human beings eye to eye. Yes. We're just getting to that point where we can have conversation at the table and it can be of some, I mean, I feel like we, we had so many years and I'm sure many people have this where every meal 
we had like one or two spilled drinks, you know? And so we were just like, if we could get through a meal without a spilled drink, we were feeling successful. And now we're, the kids are getting to an age where you can kind of have deeper conversations. Um, so it's fun to see. It's fun to see how it progresses over time. But that's a perfect offer, opportunity to reframe uh, too and just know, okay, we're going to have two or three spilled drinks. You mm-hmm. just have one and you're like, oh, cool. We only had one, you yeah. know? That's a yeah. perfect opportunity to reframe just... Instead of going, I'm going to get frustrated. No. Right. Okay. It's going to happen three times. Get a towel. Yeah. Here we go. Thankful we have a dog to lick it up off the floor. Yeah. Uh, Well, is there anything that I haven't asked you about or that you haven't gotten to share that you were hoping you would be able to talk about? I don't think so. I just feel like we need to let our light shine so that our kids know it's okay to let their light shine. I love that. That's beautiful. Whether they're good, you know, yeah. or let them be real and they need to be real at home. And I think that's why sometimes kids are worse at home than they are at school because they need to feel safe and they need mm-hmm. to be okay being vulnerable at home. You know? Yeah. Letting it all hang out. Mm-hmm. Yes. No, I agree. Well, I have loved talking to you. I usually ask people as the last question, what they do for self-care, but I feel like we've talked about that a lot. Is there anything mm-hmm. else that you do for self-care that you haven't mentioned? I take a lot of Epsom salt baths, a lot of them. Ooh. And I just feel like that helps balance. Um, mm-hmm. I think just learning to be forgiving of yourself, getting quiet, the way you talk to yourself. I, this is an important thing. Listen to me, moms. The way you talk to yourself is the way your kids are going to talk to themselves when they're adults. So we need to really work on that. Mm-hmm. Realize when we're talking down to ourselves and, and being unkind to ourselves, because that's how they're going to hear their own voice when they grow up. And I think that's very important. So if you, you're saying you're fat or you're ugly or whatever, saying out loud or in your thoughts, that's how your kids are going to think about themselves when they grow up. And I think that we really need to realize what we're doing. Right. I agree. I love that. And it's always a work in progress. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it, once I feel like I, I have had a few experiences where I feel like, okay, I got this now. And then you're, you know, sort of humbled again and you're like, okay, still got some work to do. Yes. And let me tell you, I, I've been through some very deep, dark stuff this year. My dad passed away and then it triggered up some, don't get me wrong. I have very, very dark times. And I think it's important for people to know that mm-hmm. um, you just keep moving. You get up, you move, you see what you need help in, you get help, you know, right. it's just moving through it. Um, I, oh, I do have one story I want to tell you. So there's um, a story about, or in real life, cows and buffaloes. So cows, when a storm is coming, they turn and run with the storm. So they end up staying in the storm a lot longer because they're staying with it. Buffaloes turn and run towards the storm to get through it. And the reason why I love this story is I think in life, as parents, as humans, if we're willing to turn directly towards whatever we're facing, work through it, then you get through it a lot faster than like just running away from it. And then you're in the storm for a lot longer. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's very important because if you just take steps towards it and towards healing, even if you're in a very, very dark spot, the light is right there. So if you're working on it, you can get through that light. And I think that's why people have regrets at the end of life is they don't work on it. They don't do the things that they should to move through the storm a lot quicker. quicker. Yes. I love that. That's a great, I had never heard that before. Really, really cool. So tell people where they can find you if they want to hear more about what you're up to and and what you share. Yeah. I've kind of taken a little bit of a hiatus because of having the two kids that we just adopted one year ago, but I have a a website, Kelly, K-E-L-L-I, Adkins, A-D-K-I-N-S.com. So kellyadkins.com. It's the perfectly imperfect life. Um, 
and I think that we just need to embrace the imperfection that everybody's perfectly imperfect. You can find me at um, underscore Kelly Adkins and then an underscore again for Instagram and on Facebook, just Kelly Adkins, my full name. Well, thank you so much. I love talking to you. This was a very encouraging conversation. Awesome. You have a great day. Thanks. You too. Thanks for joining us on The Family Brain. If you're interested in learning more about The Family Brain, you can check us out on Facebook and I have an Instagram page, Family Brain Podcast. If you would be inclined, I would love it if you would leave a review and a rating. We have lots of listeners in the United States and I would love to hear what state you're listening from. If you could write that in your review. And I would also love to hear from our countries around the world. We're in a number of different countries and I would love to hear where you are in the world. That would be really fun for me because that's one of the neat things about podcasts is that you can listen to it all over the world. And that's just pretty special. I don't know. It's just, it's, it's honestly odd for me that that is even a possibility. So we're sort of living beyond the Jetsons at this point. Um, But if you could leave that in your review, that would be really fun to see. Hope you have a great day. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.